and welcome to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. As always, y'all know I have the best guest on the planet. And today I have one of my favorite people on the planet with me. He is my uncle by birth. He is my friend by choice. And he is and has been a father figure from the very start. He is my mother, younger brother, and he is amazing on so many different levels. Uh, my uncle has not always been who he is today <laughs> um, as a person, but he has always been everything that I just explained or expressed. Um, as I share with you who he is to me, he has always been that. But in just a moment, I am going to ask him to just give you just a tad bit about who he is, where he's from, who he belongs to, who he's married to, who are his children, and all of that goodness. So Uncle Ray, thank you so much for coming on and welcome to Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. Hi, thank you, Lolita, Patrice, yay. <laughs> so glad to be with you here at Navigating the Heart. Uh, spend a time and just observing um, what's going on, feel good about being a part of it. So um, I am officially um, and unofficially a pastor a high school counselor, a mentor, a mentee, shall I go on? Um, more importantly, um, I believe that someone I've always been has been this guy to encourage others for all that it's worth, in short. And so, um, I don't even know how to talk a lot about it, but uh, I'm almost sure we're going to get all what we need. <laughs> okay, um, so are you married? Do you have children? Where are you from? Where are where do you reside? Are you going to share with the people? <laughs> yeah, well, since you're pulling it up out of me, <laughs> I was trying to be uh, silent on that. But yes, I'm married. Uh, 35 years, uh, my wife, Chucky Smith, we have two children in marriage and um, Prince and Queenie. And I have a daughter and two other sons from previous relationships, Clarinda, Philip, and Dennis. And I have 16 grandchildren. Yay. You got granddad. <laughs> I, num I number them and that's how I identify. You're number one. You're number 16. <laughs> and so, uh, yes. So excited about this new phase. This whole granddad thing is, is so rich and enriching and so impacting uh, all this work that I do in this individual that I've become, uh, they've played a very strong part and a great role in, in all of that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So thank you, Uncle Ray. So I 
I just kind of want to introduce this whole deal. And I am calling this episode, The Power, The Price, and The Pain of Influence. And I, I call it that because when I think about you, um, you have always been an influencer. Um, but sometimes the influence was good and sometimes it wasn't so good. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean, um, growing up in the city of Chicago, I was talking earlier and I was just talking about how you haven't always been who you are today. So today you influence young men who are in the street, you, um, you mediate for uh, people who are the oppositions in the street to keep killing in the community down. You, you do all of these different things, but there was a time in your life where you were a part of the problem. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so let's just talk a little bit about that. So when, because when I, coming from the city of Chicago, for both of us, we grew up there. Um, Chicago has, it, it is one of the best cities in America. And there are times where it could be considered one of the worst cities in America because of the crime rate. And so I, I just want to talk a little bit about your upbringing in the city of Chicago. What were the, who influenced you to turn to that life or was it more environmental? What was it for you? Well, it was, um, it was a combination of things. Uh, <clears throat> one, I could say that uh, growing up um, the way I grew up, my dad was an entrepreneur. He, he had several different businesses and I never remember him having a job where you go to punch a clock, except for when he worked for the Coca-Cola company. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, it was RC Cola back then. And um, that was a short-lived job and he's always had businesses. Um, he, at this point, I'm, I guess I'm 12 turning, just turned 13 in that October. And um, dad said to me, he's like, you might be ready to take this business in a minute. He, he had a janitorial maintenance business that he was running. And he said to me, uh, this is a multi-million dollar operation, Junior. I couldn't see it. And then uh, I chose the shortcut, what I call the shortcut to the money trail. And I saw a fast lane and I took a look at it and I was pulled in. And I was easily, always well-liked, always had a way with people. And so I was 15 years old in the pool room. And, uh, exposed to different ill mannerisms, if I may mm -hmm. uh, use that term. And um, I pick one to be 
what I thought would be beneficial to me. And it turned out to be gambling. And uh, that led to a lot of other things and a lot of other things and some other things. And um, then uh, things began to shift. Um, I was no longer, I was no longer this guy, I think that uh, was happy. I, I became real serious. And what I found out I was being serious, I was becoming more serious about just basically trying to stay alive for the day. Mm. If I may, yeah. And so that took me to a place where I try to position myself into a position of comfort and peace, what I thought anyway. And when I was actually building weight to my world and for what I did, I, I grew a little older and uh, I've always been the go-to. <laughs> so to speak, uh, in my family, in my circle of peers and friends. Um, it was always what Lorena got to say. It's always been that for me. And to this date, it still is. But I believe that uh, God's using me in another space and time for the greater good of others. That's good. That's good. So you you mentioned a couple of things. So so for the sake of our audience, for those who may not know what your life was like or what the life in Chicago could be like for a young man growing up in the streets, not necessarily having the the support needed from a father, you were um the oldest son um, to your father's children. And so you, um, so you didn't have an older brother, but you had older brothers from the community, from uh, your friend groups and all of these things. And a lot of times those were the people, would you venture to say that they were the people that influenced you to some degree? Yes, I, I mean, yeah, I would. Uh, and <clears throat> I was greatly influenced because I was attracted by what was called the fast lane or the fast life, what I later termed to be the shortcut to the money trail. So I got involved in a number of different things. Uh, and I termed them loosely uh, the shortcut to the money trail. <laughs> Right, but you mentioned ill mannerisms. Help us define what that is. Help us to understand what you mean by that. Well, life brings about a choice. Oftentimes, there are um, a description of good and bad, or good and evil, right and wrong. So there's something 
in our inability to know the difference, mm -hmm. although we make choices. So when we choose to do something that may be described as something dark or weight or heavy or mean or bad, that would be an ill mannerism. It would be, uh, that's my description of an ill mannerism because it's giving a terminology without giving detail. Uh, to whatever that thing might be, but you know that it's wrong. You know that it's not right. Mm -hmm. uh, the term actually derived, it, it was birthed out of me through my experience and my willingness to teach on abandonment and rejection. Oftentimes, abandonment and rejection can be the personal, the person, the individual to abandon their own dream, their willingness to tap into the purposeful plan of design for them that we know is on the inside of us. I've learned to, I've come to learn that we're spirit beings and we live in a fleshly body, but we're spirit led. And so when we talk about the ill mannerisms, the poor choices that come out of good-hearted people, these, these things have caused me so much pain where I had to look for he who created me to bring me to a peace. Uh, and I still seek him to the day because these things are still happening in my world. Mm -hmm. uh, um, right here, mo most recently, back here uh, in the summer of 2020, I lost somebody really close to me really good person, great heart. I was asked to do his funeral and his family asked me to do his funeral. And we're like family. And I wanted to say no, but I knew that no one could deliver what was needed to be delivered to the people, but me. And because the thing needed to be said and the statement made was good-hearted man making poor choices. And I talked about ill mannerisms in that. And weeks after the service, my phone would ring with questions and why. And I think this is me. So it did have an impact um, being afforded an opportunity to share this pain, but not to share it to lay weight, but to share it to create release for others. That's good. That's good. Um, and that is a that's a big part of um, of what your life story is. Uh, you went through a number of different things that 
um, that ultimately prepared you for the season that you walk in today. And for that, I am most grateful uh, because a number of things took place. And one of those things being uh, we, we lost my uncle, your younger brother um, to the shortcut to the money trail. And, um, and that was a very, very impactful time for your life, for my life, for all of our family's life, because he was a very um, vital participant in our family structure. And not always in the way that we wanted it to, not always in the positive, but he ended up losing his life and he, um, it was a traumatic situation because he, his life was taken um, while taking his children to school. And so your life began to shift after this process, after, after his death and the process of you going through a number of different things. So let's just kind of talk about, we're going to talk about the pain of, um, of our choices, the pain of influence. You introduced your brother to the short, um, what is it called? The short what to the money trail? Shortcut. The shortcut to the money trail. And so um, it ended up costing him his life. It ended up costing him his children. It ended up costing you, your younger brother. And so it ended up costing you your health um, because you ended up trying to soothe your pain with a number of worldly things. And so let's just kind of, you know what that season was like better than I could ever explain. So if you don't mind, please just um, unpacking that season of your life for us. Well, um, earlier on in his, teen years, I'm speaking of my younger brother. Um, he, um, he saw me busy doing a number of different things, but not knowing exactly what I was doing. He knew I was attractable to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the boys in the hood, you know, I was the dude. Uh, to the women, Hey, you know, um, and he gazed at me in a way where I was like, I hope he ain't trying to be like this. So I would oftentimes say, listen, man, don't do what you see me do. Just go to school and do what you're doing and do what you're doing and do what you're doing. He got 15, I think he was 15. And he stood up to me and he says, why wouldn't I want what you got? Mm. 
You got everything. So he thought. He saw some material possessions and some cash laying around and be having influence in the community. And it's also described as power through the eyes of the inner city younger people, so to speak. And so I knew then I was fighting a losing hand. So I'm like, listen, man, just go to school. Here go a couple of dollars. I ain't got time to talk to you about it because I'm busy. And then he became 17, 18 years old. And he dabbled a little bit in some short order deals. And they didn't favor him. And so I took him aside and said, man, <laughs> this is how it works. And um, for a time, I thought I was, I thought I had did right. But later on, when I saw where he took it, mm-hmm. I mean, he took it. I didn't expect him to do what he did with what I shared with him about the ill mannerisms of the world. Mm-hmm. However, uh, he ended up uh, a powerful influence uh, in good situations and bad situations. Uh, and then uh, one day, February the 8th, at 9.01, my phone rang. And when I got that phone call, um, I ended up going to the hospital. And when I got there, um, it was some on the inside of me that just was different. And then when they had pronounced him, no longer with us, uh, I just took off running. I don't know where I was going, but I just began to run. And when I stopped running, I didn't realize what had really happened. When I stopped running, I stopped living that way of life. And I didn't realize that until years later because I struggled with what happened, how it happened, all of the details, what I could do, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And some on the inside of me said, they're gonna do nothing for whatever the reason. And I wasn't understood for that, but I didn't even understand it. So when you may I interject right there? So when you say that you were you there was nothing, you had no response, what specifically are you saying? I'm saying that um usually in our area, I mean in that lifestyle, you know, vengeance is paramount. Uh I was void of that. 
And all I, all I could remember is having a nervous breakdown and some people that are close to me just now understanding that that's what that was. And I stayed into a state of depression for two and a half years. Um, I lost my whole sense of direction. Uh, didn't realize I became an alcoholic until my sister says to me one day, bro, you are alcoholic. I'm like, how? She said, just because you got money don't mean that you're not in an addiction because you can easily buy it or pay for it. And then she began to not only stop at the alcohol, she named a couple of other things that I had ingested into my body that usually it hadn't been really me, but I was hiding in my pain. And I did that and it took me to a place of depression. Like I said, two and a half years. And I, I woke up one day and um, I called my sister, your aunt. And she was more like the pillar of, she was a pillar of faith in our family. She was the church lady, the go-to. Uh, she was, when you wanted to get a prayer through, you think of her first, you call her. And so I called her April, the 16th, 1998. I said, sis, I need to talk to you. And as clear as today, she says, oh. But the O was like, finally. Right. He's gotten to his enough. And so I say, yeah, I need to come talk to you. She's like, well, okay, well, when you coming? I say, I'll be there tomorrow. So, um, as I said, I have a older daughter from a previous relationship prior to my marriage. And her mom was working at American Airlines at the time. And I, you know, I'm like, I need a flight. She's like, man, I've been had your ticket for two years. Where you gonna go? You don't even need money. I could have bought my own ticket. She said, I've been waiting on you. I said, I'm going to see Rosie. I heard a hallelujah. I'm like, here she go with this church stuff. And so April 17th, that next morning at 6.40, I think my flight was to Boston, Logan. My sister picked me up at the airport. And when I got there, I knew that whatever it was that I walked away from, I was not gonna turn back. Didn't have a lot of 
influence from those near and dear to me because they was like, oh no, he left this, he left that, he didn't do this. He left some money over there and he left this and he did that. And oh, he'll be back, he'll be back. Oh, he just getting some rest. It's been a week, it's been two weeks, it's 22 years and they still waiting on me to come back to that. And so uh, when I talk about the pain, I'm like, it wasn't just my baby brother, it was the effect I watched it have on my parents. You know, uh, we have the same dad, but not the same mom. But his mom was my mom, cause she raised me. And I tell you, she cooked for two days and I don't even remember her going to sleep. She would shower, change and cook shower change she did it two days our dad i think he was bent over in a fetal position for at least that same time frame two days and i watched and i watched and that's what i thought about when i came to new england and all i could hear was this still small voice saying, if you don't leave, you don't live. But it wasn't a fear from the streets. It was to live into the purposeful plan that God had for me. I didn't know that what was happening, but I knew it was something. So I've always been challenging and courageous in certain areas. (laughs) And so I became courageous in that. I'm like, I'm just not going back. I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't want that. Um, And I went to church with my sister that Sunday. And um, they had an altar call. And I ran to the altar. (laughs) Yeah, I want to give my life to somebody who can make it worthwhile because I've self-destructed. That was my whole connection to what I thought salvation was. And um, all I could do was just weep for my brother because he didn't get a chance to turn it around. And so, when I talk about the pain and watching you and my siblings and my parents, and I wasn't sure who our friends were anymore, you know? So I I, I mean, I was in a stuck place and of course judgment comes from our decisions that we make so that came but it had no effect on me because what I did know is uh, I put my eye on a different prize money was no longer my master so the streets had no hold on me so I was able to begin to deal with the pain in a way where um, 
I could find not just uh, medication for the pain, but to become healed in the process of being delivered out of the pain, if I may. That's good. That's good. I um I watched you take those steps. And so um you made it there and God introduced you said yes to God and God introduced you to his plan, his purpose and his people. <laughs> it was just like just like you called um Clorinda's mom, Winona, you called her for the ticket and she said, oh, I've been waiting and um, your ticket been waiting for you for the two years and yeah. he was waiting for the call. Oh, come on, <laughs> you know? So it was like, that was your out, but on the other side of your pain was the promise of God for your life. And so you said, yes to him and he began to order your steps. As you continue to say, yes, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy because there were some really, really hard times along the journey. And um, I had the opportunity to be privy to your process, but you did not run from your process you did not, um, you didn't waver. It was hard. And, and there were times where I believe, you know, you were like, you know what? I could really, I, I could do so much better than this over here, but that is not an option anymore. And so when we're facing what has produced for us, but wasn't good for us, and now we're on the other side and it's like, this This not the fast lane. This not the shortcut. This is the, the, this is the slow route right here. This is the scenic route and I don't like it. But there were so many things that built the character of the man, Brother Ray Smith. There was so much that was, that was impactful to your journey as you continue to say yes, despite your circumstance, despite your new small beginnings. But I wanna talk about this because this is where to me, the power really kicks in. And when I was, when I was thinking about what I wanted to call this episode, um, I started thinking about the price. So no matter whether, if, if we're talking about influence, it's going to be a price either way. So whether it is good or whether it is bad, there is a cost associated with it. And so with your yes to God, you begin to impact your family different. I'm talking about your household. Um, you begin to impact your family different things. Um, and that wasn't easy. And it's not easy, but you are somebody different to your grandchildren than you were your children. You were busy with your children. When your children were growing up, you were busy. 
but now you were in a place where there was um where god is now doing something new he's doing a new work right and so um tell us about your transition uh of working being the street worker so that was your first job <laughs> that was your first job and um and just how what is a street worker and how did you um how did you how did you pull together your former life to complement where you were so you could make an impact for the youth in the city in which you were assigned to well uh prior to the street worker I uh, I took on several jobs. I came in. I was here maybe a week, and I I got a temporary job for six dollars and fifty cents an hour. When I told people that, they say he didn't lost his mind. I know he ain't up there working for for what? And then, no, we do not. No, he not. No, I don't believe it. I gotta come up there and see it. My father, rest his soul, he says, Junior, no, it ain't. No, it ain't true. He did not believe it. Ros Rosalind, my sister, who I went up, came here with, to, to be with, she said, Dad, my brother at work at a temporary job. They had him for three days and then down to one. And I told him, don't quit. He was finna quit. Then they gave him five days. You know what he He went in there and told him, give me some more time, I'm out. Because he had nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Right. And so he's always been that person is what she was telling my dad and I could hear it. And so I worked that job and then I ended up as a bus driver. And this is where the miracles begin to manifest in my life and right before me. I came here with an Illinois driver's license no tickets or none of that but it had expired so i needed to ch change my license they had no record of me in illinois period my wife chucky smith we stood there and looked at each other she grabbed my hand and started shaking so i'm like what in the world is happening now right so we get the license. The lady says, I can't find no license in your name, but uh, sir, just, 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 she was like in disarray. She was, she's like, just go over there, get him $17.50, take this over there. And I got my license for $17.50. So now I'm like, something is really straight. But what was happening, I was, being what I call rewarded for my diligence to commit to this new relationship that I had claimed in who I believe to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he began to reveal to me miracles. So I ended up getting a job as a bus driver. I drove a bus while driving the bus. 
I took a job at Sears. I started working at Sears part-time in the men's department. The general manager walked up to me. I wasn't on that job 60 days. He's like, we have a um, manager's training program, Ray Smith. I think you'd be a perfect candidate. I'm like, why? He said, because everybody's saying so about you. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I came from the third floor to tell you, why don't you come up here and let's talk about what it would look like. Became a sales manager. People that know me know I, in the field of sales, if put me in there with the sharks or the piranhas, you know, I'm gonna survive in the area of sales. I showed that when needed be, but then the sales position, I began to minister to people. So I was spending my time sharing the gospel while at work. Wasn't worried about all of that, just wanted to just share the gospel. Uh, went to the community, the inner city community. Um, there's a recreation center, and I'm going to name that rec center as Davy Lopes Recreation Center. I want the world to know that became my headquarters. I walked in that place, and all I knew after graduating from International Bible School, I got a release with my ministerial license to do what the gospel read, go into all the world and share the gospel. So I saw God sending me back to where I come from. So I went into the rec center and it was like a dream had come true. I walked in and I saw this gentleman and I knew that he was gonna say yes to everything I said. And I say, listen, man, I'm the neighborhood preacher guy. He's like, you got a name? I'm like, yeah, Brother Ray. You don't know me? He's like, no, but look like I'm about to know you. I say, listen, man, I need some space to share the gospel. He say, well, let's take a walk, pick a room. Mr. George Lindsay, yeah, I'll name him because he, we began to look at each other and tear up as we walked through that rec center. And I asked for this particular room and I hung up the Jesus signs and, the, and I had my little podium in the corner and I'd be there with my Bible and all of these different things. And I said, listen, you guys need to come back here and let me talk to y'all, right? Nobody would come. So I say, well, I need a plan for your life. And I was talking to one of the so-called ballers. And he's like, oh, man, I'm busy. I say, I know. <laughs> Doing the wrong thing. He's like, George, who is this dude? He's like, ask him. I say, man, I'm Brother Ray, man. I just want to introduce you to a different plan for your life, man. And he walked away. So when he walked away, I began to tell everybody that. 
I say, you got, I need a three month plan for your life and a six month plan and a five month and a year plan for your life. And they started laughing at me. Right, but they was calling you to say preaching. Oh, that was so Yeah, I'm coming there. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I said, I'll tell you what, if you don't bring it to me, I'll be down there to get it. So I went to the projects. So they came back to the Rexon and told George, George, listen, that fake preacher dude, <laughs> he gonna get hurt over here. George say he already know what he's doing. They had no idea what they called the projects was, I mean, was condominiums compared to where I come from. Yeah. So I begin, I went out there and so it kind of touched me when I reflected on my day that day, fake preacher, what in the world is a fake preacher? So I went and, you know, it was easy for me to pick out who's the shot caller, who's in charge. I walked up to him, hey man, I've been looking for you. He's like, oh yeah, you that preacher dude, huh? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm brother. I said, man, let me ask you something. Your people's talking about I'm a fake preacher. What do, why, what does that mean? He's like, oh man, listen, don't no preachers get out their car and talk to us. Right. I started crying. And uh, he walked away and I walked away. Later on, I asked him why he walked away. He said he didn't want to see a good man cry. Hmm. And that started me to... Uh, push that verse of scripture, go into all the world and share the gospel, the truth, because it's necessary. And uh, I began to do that. So we had a, we had a, a horrific homicide in our city and the, uh, the church came together and some community organizers and they formed this uh, Institute for Study and Practice of Nonviolence, and they started a street worker program, and they's like, oh, Brother Ray, would be good for that. I'm like, no, I'm already doing it. When they introduced it to me, I was already doing it. And so uh, <laughs> my financial position says, uh, I may as well pick this money up. It got my name on it. <laughs> right. So they offered me a salary. I'm like, okay, cool. So there I was. Three years into the program, uh, I started my own program, Young Leaders Fellowship. And our mission was to restore families back one to another through the positive interaction with our youth. Because what I learned was, if you want to know what's going on mm -hmm. in a family, in a household, talk to the kid. Yeah. But you don't want to know for gossip. You want to know because you want to know what kind of seeds to plant to help. And so uh, the community said I became good at that. I'm not so sure of that because at this point where I'm at now, 21 years in, going on 22 years this April, um, I've preached 61 funerals. Yeah. And 47 of them 
to my recollection, was people under the age of 30. Mm. And 15 of them were what I considered near related because they grew up right there at the rec center with me. They would share that uh, cold lunch, split that cold ham sandwich, that peanut butter and jelly. They'd break it in half right outside and then run back into the pool. And then they became oppositions through the same spirited energy that took my brother, jealousy and envy. Yeah. And I asked God to counsel me and empower me, give me greater confidence and greater boldness to address this thing that was before me. And it just evolved into a whole nother ministry, so to speak, when it came to uh, having to turn away from this and do this. So now I'm, I'm, I'm at this particular point in the juncture. I'm, I'm not only Brother Ray, I'm the bread man because I connected to a resource that uh, was giving me fresh Purdue chickens, mangoes and uh, fresh bat uh, batches of strawberries, uh, uh, bread like you can't, I mean, whatever bread that was made, I had it and I had it on my pickup truck and I began to just disperse it out in the community. So they begin to change my name from Brother Ray to the Bread Man. <laughs> so I would go into the projects in the inner cities. And when they asked me why I was doing it, I happened to be holding a, a, a pint-sized bottle of milk because we were giving away milk at this time. So we would get whatever they give us. And I said, this right here, is a ministry tool. And so I think channel 10 or channel 12 captured me saying that. Uh, I say, this is a ministry tool. This is a tool that will connect me in relations with different individuals that will, I'll be able to impact, but they'll have an impact on me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I wasn't sure at this time if I was hiding in my pain still because uh, it was medicine to me to see people heal out of their pain, mm -hmm. although I was still stuck in mine. Mm -hmm. So the price uh, was, <laughs> in short, I gave my life but I gave my life to live as opposed to giving my life to die as I did in the past. Because mm -hmm. I was giving my life to die every day. Wasn't sure if I was gonna make it uh, home uh, a number of times, more times than I can remember. And um, wasn't sure how to restore the brokenness in relationship with my children because my children were my children were 
uh, becoming teenagers. I had a couple of teenagers, but I had Prince and Queenie. Uh, and uh, they had had some horrific experiences with their father, as, as you know, unlike their children. So their children has experienced a different person that their parents never was able to identify with. Yeah. And um, my son, Prince, he, uh, he understood that earlier on, long before his sister. What I mean by understanding it, he placed a different value on it. He says, Dad, you're my hero. Hmm. He say, I tried it and I, and I see it. But, and had I listened to you, I wouldn't have had it so hard, Dad, because you said you took it on the chin with us. You said, Uncle Rob laid his life down to show us that that wasn't it. Yeah. And yet we made choices. And because you talk about this free will choice, I'm in a situation now, but I need you to know you my hero. When I watch people turn their life around, I watch you, Dad. He's like, Dad, I know it can be done. He say, because I watch you. He say, I watch you even talk to me about it. It could be so easy to turn back. And how easy it was, people I hadn't talked to in years. I would go back home for whatever, or a funeral, or a gathering, a party, or just a vacation. And it was always the tempter. Man, I ain't seen you in a minute. Man, I owe you, man. Listen, you remember, God? Yap, 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 yap. Man, listen, look at here. Whoa, all you need to, man, come on. Hungry and thirsty, but wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Because I had to continue to come back and be Brother Ray. I had to be me, you know. The enemy of our soul, our mind, our emotion, and our will will always remind us of our past. And if we go back to the past to live, then it could be at our own detriment. So um, I there's so many things that I would like to say, but I really don't even know how to say right now. And um uh, I will say that greater confidence, greater bold, be more courageous, speaks to sound counsel. You have to uh, adhere to it because the chief counselor and our guide is described to me as the Holy Spirit. And so I seek God and his counsel. And so now I'm able to withstand anything. The pain, I tell you there, there is an answer. And for me, he has been the answer. And for those that have seen me, I've been an example to them that he is the answer. 
oftentimes I don't even mention his name. They like, I don't know what it is you saying, but where you get that from? And then I can share the gospel. Because it's our lifestyle. It was our lifestyle. It was mine that actually attracted my brother. And so now it's my lifestyle that is attracting people. I want to, why do you call yourself great? I say, because I need you to know that you are. Mm -hmm. It's like, but some of them over there laughing at you. I say, because they don't know that they're great. Right. It's like, this is a particular individual, and because he's a minor, I'm not going to use his name, but he says to me, he's like, so you tell everybody you the great brother Ray. I say, because I am. And he told me his name, and I say, and you're great. He's like, for real? He questioned it. <laughs> So that was because he was unsure of who he is. Mm -hmm. So my job has been here in recent past with this particular individual to point him in the direction. And as I point him into the direction where he used to run from me, now I can't get rid of him. Mm -hmm. He's like, you always say this thing that you this fruit tree, brother, right? And you say, pick the edible fruit and not the bruised fruit. He's like, yeah, I don't see no bruised fruit. I say, it's there, but it's just not there for you. Hmm. I say, keep picking that fruit that's edible. And that's what I want to say to the listeners. That's what I would want to say to uh, the onlookers. That's what I want to say. Find that positive support team and navigate towards them. Turn away from the ill mannerisms of your world, whosoever you are. And the time is now because you might not be promised to be a fool for. 40 years as I was. So in short, Lolita Patrice, um, hopefully something that I'm saying is nourishing the soul, the mind, the emotion, the will of others. So if I had a word to say, because I feel like I'm running out of words to say, because I'm, 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 I'm jacked up over here, you know, because my mind's here and I have to be careful what I say. And I want, I want to say it the way it can be helpful and conducive for someone's growth. And so I have to be careful because sometimes people can be attracted to the right. ill mannerism. So you, you, this is, and I'm going to say it again, this is what attracted my brother to the ill mannerism. 
So I'm glad that you brought that question up because uh, Christ the healer, he that healeth me, and I'm still in the healing process because when we're tattered, torn, and broken, and scarred, we have to tap back into he who created us. Right. For answers, for salvage, for the breakthrough. We have to. Um, I know I might begin to sound like a preacher. That's because I am. And I'm not trying to preach. I'm really not even trying to teach. I came to share a portion of a story that I believe will be helpful and conducive. So, um, so I, I love everything that you shared. I love um, the encouragement. Be more courageous. Know that you're great. Um, be more brave. Um, what was, um, you said, you said a couple of things, but I, I just, I just want to say thank you for that because when we are connecting to the ill mannerisms of this world, we can often condemn ourselves, not giving God a chance to help us to heal. And so it is my hope that someone will hear that God is the answer as you shared. Um, so there has been a price that you've paid. There has been power in your influence, both positive and negative. There has been some great outcomes. And as you mentioned that you're on year 22 um, in next month, and you, you sometimes question, are you making the impact you are? because you've only done 60 funerals. You could have done more. And so something is resonating with someone, but at the end of the day, much like yourself, we all get to make a decision. So free will is for us all. The outcome at the end of the day, God will cover us for a period of time but when we press to have our own way, he will let us have our way. And so sometimes that comes with painful repercussion. So I just want to encourage you to continue to do what you do. You are looking at a product of your encouragement. <laughs> and so I am just grateful that not only myself, but you have a date with my daughter once a week on the phone because y'all not in the same state. And so you're still making impact, not just in our family, but in your community and the world around you. So wherever you find yourself, you are forever encouraging, you are forever doing whatever it takes to make a positive impact and difference for transformation in the lives of other people. So thank you for what you do. What I would like um, for you to do before we get off this phone, we've touched a little bit on what we're doing in this season, but 
let's talk a little bit more because we want people to know that you are in the interim of writing your book. I want people to know that you work for the school district now and you know, you're making daily impact in the lives of youth and their families. And so tell us about that stuff because you, you, your past earns you the steps that you walk in today. And so people have to know that whatever is happening today is seed to help us grow to where you are now. So sometimes people see the glitz on Brother Ray today and they like, man, how did you get here? Well, what? that's a long story. That's a long story, but the short and dirty of it is, but God. He was the answer the whole while. You just had to say yes. And even though you knew it, you had to draw near to him. Because as we draw near to him, he'll do all the drawing he needs to do. You know? Yes. So, yeah. So tell us, Brother Ray. <laughs> tell us what you're doing. Well, what I'm doing right now, I'm in the middle of writing. Uh, my book, it'll be my first book. So I'm not a title guy. They try to call me Pastor Ray, Pastor, I'm Brother Ray. I like Brother Ray. People know Brother Ray. People don't know Pastor Ray. People don't know Brother Ray, the uh, high school counselor. People don't know, people know Brother Ray. They don't know all those other different titles and accolades that I've gained. Um, but what I will say is the book is a story, uh, talking about me per se, and it is full of tools and we're near completion. And that's about all I can say about the book, but we are writing. I want to say this about the book, and I pray this through transparency helps somebody. I struggled with writing this book. I was told that I had several books in me to write, and I procrastinated and procrastinated, and the spirited energy of procrastination has dissipated. It's gone. I'm writing. So greater confidence, greater boldness to do that that is purposed in your heart to do. So that got me to the book, but the book was influenced by people who I have had an influence with. And I don't mean just uh, everyday Joe Smo. I mean people of influence I have been an influence to people of influence. Um, I became a consultant for uh, the school department here in the state of Rhode Island. And uh, oftentimes I'd get a phone call and it would be strange, why me? I'm a consultant, but the phone call would come from the superintendent. Well, Brother Ray, listen, this is what's going on. What do you think? 
And I'm like, what kind of setup is this? You all do the soup, you should know. But what they were trying to get from me was the connection that I've made with people. Mm -hmm. And he says, you have an answer. So I was being encouraged by them, but they were pulling out of me something that was necessary to grow them. Mm -hmm. And I'm using uh, this particular superintendent in, in particular, because he, uh, he would allow me to come in. What you thinking? What does this look like? That was stirring up and building my confidence because I wasn't, I didn't come from the school of academia, mm -hmm. but God. Yeah. I'm influencing the people who are academically sound. Right. And so it led me from that to, um, I ended up doing um, teaching some sessions on family relations. Um, I ended up, um, I've worked at Brown University, one of the top Ivy League schools in the United States of America. Yeah, me, my wife and I, we still pinching ourselves to see, is this really, really real? You? And I'm like, me? <laughs> but God right. could have his way. Because what qualifies me to talk to those of influence? And all I could hear is midway through this walk, I could hear not an, an inaudible voice, but I could hear down on the inside of me. God saying, you are, yes, you, Raymond, you are my anointed, appointed son of encouragement. He told me that, and then I went to church maybe two weeks after, there's a gentleman came, had never seen me, never seen my wife. He's up on the podium. We 15, 16 rows out. He comes off the stage. He's like, I I don't even know why I'm doing this. He said, well, I know why I'm doing it. So I'm going to be do what I know I feel led to do. He walked out. He said, he started talking to people. And when he got to me, he said, you. He said, you. Yeah, you, sir. You. He says, you can sell. You can sell. You can sell an air conditioner to an Eskimo. The people started laughing because I was selling appliances at Sears <laughs> while I was in the management program, right? Right. And then he walked away and he turned back around and he says, man of great influence. That's what I had to come tell. And walked away, came back and said, you have a son? He says, tell your son, he can run, but he cannot hide. 
I put that bird on the shelf. When my son told me, Dad, you're my hero, I watch you shift and turn it around. That was the revelation of the word that that man deposited into my life years ago. And so I'm growing in this thing and I'm learning and I'm teaching and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm teaching. So I'm uh, got this street worker thing connected to the mayor and the, you know, the governor and the, 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 the colonel in the state police, the chief of police in the city. And, and now I'm at this table and they're asking me about what do I need to help me do what I do in the community? Mm. And so, uh, some of the things were things that really made sense. And some of the things were just there to make dollars. Mm -hmm. And so soon and very soon I began to differentiate, you know, which is which. And I gravitated to the things that made most sense. And I'm not talking sense and reasoning without God's counsel. Right. I'm talking about the things that I knew I was in this city to do and the people of influence, I need you as a resource. So I begin to utilize them as a resource. And me and my wife, we, we was, she was like, Raymond, do you really you know the colonel of the state? I mean, these people, really? I'm going to crime scenes yeah. and going up under the table. And they trying to identify the kid because the kid too young to have identification. And so when I was a street worker, I was, and they gave us that kind of a room. And it built that kind of a rapport in the city. And so now I became the go-to. So now I people I have never seen before, so-and-so uh, uh, -so gave me your number and they told me I could talk to you. So-and-so gave me your number and says that uh, you was the guy that was over there preaching on the street corner and that you had helped me to bury my kid. Mm -hmm. And mind you, I got $9 in my pocket, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> here it go, here go the gift. Listen, we need, yep. Could you make this happen? Could you? And then now I, I'm pulling on all these different resources and making things happen and then happen to be the go-to here. And so, now this gave me another level of impactful influence. Right. I got uh, a little older and uh, things began to shift in the streets. And 
I grew fond of certain individuals and a lot of that work became tiring to me because I was tying my heart to it and I was losing a lot of people, a lot of children that I was pouring into and they got caught in what I call fumbling at the gate with the key. They had the key, but they wouldn't put it in and turn the key. And so if you came to the city where I met, listen, there's got to be 2,000 plus young people got my cell phone number. I was at somewhat 85, 90 calls a day. I'm down to under 20, praise the Lord. (laughs) but I'm doing other things and people who I have mentored have become those leaders now yeah and so um, most of some of those stories will come out in the book so I don't want you to get me talking too much about that because see that's going to be (laughs) $24.95 okay (laughs) Well, I'm going to be one of the first people to purchase my book. So, Uncle Ray, Brother Ray Smith, um, you are amazing. You are great. You are my uncle, and I love you so much. And I am so grateful for the influence that you have had in my life personally, um, that you have affected my children Um, And the work that you do at large for the community and the world around us, I just want to say thank you for all you do. I want to say thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And to the audience, I want to say thank you for joining us. This will be pretty long, but it will be worth the listen. So um, I hope that you enjoy it and you're able to take some golden nuggets along with you. And if they're not for you, that you can share them with someone else. So any last words for you, Uncle Ray? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for having me come on, giving me an opportunity to share. And even for you, I know that um, God says, do not despise the small beginnings. So even if you're the only one that extracted something out of this, the tens of thousands that you'll reach have already heard me. And so, (laughs) yes. And so carry on. I truly appreciate you. Uh, I was so excited when you birthed this whole new journey and I want to say personally to you stay the course got it (laughs) be encouraged all God bless you all right thank you so much everybody have a good night and thank you again brother Ray you're welcome all right good night